Hello everyone and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Savit Kahl and I talk about bootstrapping, entrepreneurship and building in public. This episode is called Seven Kinds of Entrepreneurial Debt. And first, a word from our sponsor. MicroAcquire is the number one startup acquisition marketplace. It's simply the most efficient way of selling a startup when you're ready to make your next move. And typically, as a first-time founder, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into when you go through an acquisition. And MicroAcquire wants to change that and empower founders when they're speaking with buyers and really help streamline the process of getting acquired for the maximum price without getting any headaches. And the traditional route of selling a business can be confusing and challenging, particularly for people who've never done it before. So the goal at MicroAcquire is to eliminate that by building innovative tools and for buyers and sellers that allow for easy and trusted and then finally very transparent acquisition processes. And today, MicroAcquire has helped hundreds of startups successfully getting acquired, and they facilitated hundreds of millions in close deal volume. Their platform includes a robust community of 100,000 buyers and have thousands of startups currently listed, ranging from $5,000 to $25 million or more in asking price. Founders get a free instant access to the whole platform by creating a profile on MicroAcquire while staying totally anonymous. So if you think about selling a startup, you want to check out MicroAcquire. Go to microacquire.com to learn more. And now let's get started. When I need to relax, I paint little miniatures. And it's a hobby that I've had since I was a teenager. And once a nerd, always a nerd. But as an adult nerd with disposable income and dedicated hobby time, I'm part of a community. And I ran into a YouTube video of a fellow hobbyist talking about hobby debt. And miniature painters tend to amass more unpainted little orcs and space marines than they can realistically paint. It's not just that it's money spent unwisely, and and this particular hobby is quite expensive, so it's easy to waste money, but no, it's also about cognitive load. If you know you have a whole army of undead skeletons to paint, you quickly feel overwhelmed whenever you consider picking up that brush. And that got me thinking... What kinds of debt do we have in our entrepreneurial lives? What can we do to deal with them? And how can we avoid overextending ourselves? And before we dive into the particular kinds of debt we can find in our businesses, and there's quite a couple, let's clarify one thing. Debt itself isn't good or bad. It's a tool. It's leveraging today at the cost of tomorrow. And sometimes debt is a perfectly adequate way of reaching eventual ownership, as we can see with mortgages for homeowners, for example. But there are also disastrous outcomes of mismanaged debt that we can only avoid if you know what's looming out there in the dark. And pressure from debt is real. And many people develop mental health issues because they can't handle the mental and institutional pressures from owing, be it money or time, attention or responsibility. It does come back to buy people at some point. So let's talk about it today. And let's talk about seven different kinds of entrepreneurial debt. Financial, that's the one we all know, technical, knowledge, operational, relational, emotional, and physical debt. Now, when people think of debt, the first thing that comes to mind is money. And borrowing means doing something sooner than you could otherwise, but paying interest until you have paid back the full amount and then some. That's debt as we know it. And financial debt is a common thing in business and it's all around us. 
most old school small companies take a bank loan or mortgage at some point in their journey. A farmer who needs to build a new barn, well, they go to their credit union to get some financial support or a flower shop that wants to uh, yeah, do something. They establish a line of credit with their business bank so they can get through an unexpected price hike for imported roses, for example, right? People need that sometimes. And accounts payable in any business becomes a massive source of debt at a certain size because revenue is trickling in over time and it's essentially deferred income. So for digital entrepreneurs, this looks a bit different, particularly in the indie hacker space. Funding is quite rare because most of the businesses established here are usually low expense and high margin, and particularly so when they're self-funded. We settle our subscription invoices the moment they're being generated. And as we use the credit card captures and direct PayPal debits, it's not much debt, and immediately removes a lot of debt from our day-to-day -day lives. Still, it also makes it harder to use money as leverage. We're kind of restricted from using debt if we don't take it. We're restricted to using revenue from annual plans or lifetime packages to finance the growth of our self-funded businesses. That's where we can kind of extrapolate money into the future and then take it today. Some businesses take the VC route, and venture capital may not technically be debt, but it's it's equity, right? But there are several forms of venture debt that still allow sizable cash injections into businesses without giving away huge swaths of business ownership. So even in VC, there is debt, right? depending on what kind of what kind of funding you take. And other businesses choose a hybrid model of bootstrapper compatible funding, such as the Calm Company Fund or accelerators like Tiny Seed, where there's a little bit of money and a little bit of equity, but the the interest, how you pay it back, is bundled and kind of connected to the earnings and the revenue that you have in a business. And no matter where financial debt comes from and what it looks like, it is an obligation. It binds your entrepreneurial goals as a founder to the financial goals of someone else. And you have to be absolutely clear about this before entering in such a relationship. You might need to realign your plans, your personal plans, the plans that you have for yourself and your business to work with different incentives than those that you set out on your business journey with. If you think you can handle that added pressure, well, this might be for you. But if you wanna retain complete control at all times, you'll need to build a customer-funded business from day one that comes with its own restrictions. Right? Customer-funded really just means people pay you money for the service that you offer. You don't need a capital injection. The capital comes from your customers as they use your product. What definitely won't work is attempting to build a moonshot business without a budget. If your dream is to disrupt the entire online education industry, for example, you'll need access to significant amounts of financial resources. You need capital. But if you're set on building a lifestyle business, and for me that means something that allows you to live your life the way you want, and help a particular group of online teachers have an easier time at work, you likely won't need debt. Because this was my experience, building Feedback Panda at least. We started as a side project, and it grew organically into a self-sustaining business, and it stayed that, well, that way until it got acquired. And financial debt also introduces a certain risk to your business beyond this risk of a predictable goal misalignment. If you fail to make interest payments, 
You invite repossession, further debt to cover the initial obligations and liabilities that make your business less attractive to acquirers. And most of us building a business are at least kind of looking at potentially being acquired. So the more debt you have, the more debt you have to take, the less interesting it might be for those who want to buy your business and change your life in buying it. And as I said earlier, debt is neutral. It's, it's a tool for leverage. But like any tool, you have to know how to handle it. My recommendation is to avoid it as much as you can. Personal recommendation. Unless you're absolutely sure you can't make it happen on your own. There are just certain things out there that need that kind of capital. And if you're fine with the potential drawbacks and the risks in there, that's okay. But, you know, for bootstrap businesses, I would first look into alternative ways of receiving funding that are not necessarily just interest repayments and looking into tiny seeds, um, what used to be NDVC or Calm Capital, that would be interesting. But enough about money. Because that's the kind of debt we all know, and that's not too interesting. There are many other and more surprising kinds of debt, and they deserve to be talked about as well. So let's look at technical debt. That's a concept that is really well known to most developers, but often unheard of for new entrepreneurs. And this term was coined by Ward Cunningham back in the early 90s to communicate the true cost of short-term hacks for a business. A quick solution today is a refactoring obligation for the future. And that way, technical choices that aren't well thought out eventually result in reworking old features, and that leaves less room for building new things. And like financial debt, this causes interest payments, just of a different kind. And that's not always a bad thing, right? So suppose, suppose your quick and dirty solution of today allows your business to prosper, and you can later hire several engineers who will clean up the code at a later point. Well, in that case, it's a better choice than spending months building the full feature yourself today without a single new customer for months. And still, this is where technical debt falls short of the predictability that we experience when we are taking a loan. Because with financial debt, we know the principle, we can see the interest rate, and we can calculate how much we'll have to pay overall and when we have to pay it. Technical debt is much more nebulous because... Maybe the quick feature we built doesn't need to be maintained at all because the business pivots away from the feature to offer such a feature or um, it pivots away from the need to offer such a feature. Or maybe what we expected to be refactored in a few days turns out to take a whole rewrite of the entire product and that just costs us months of development time. There are a lot of contingencies here and we often won't be able to adequately assess them until they actually occur. Tech debt estimates are hard. Like most estimates in tech, uh, you can't really tell when it's going to happen and how much time it's going to take, which makes this a more risky kind of debt. And that happens particularly when you're just getting started because everywhere you look, experienced founders tell you to build a minimum viable product. And you're not wrong to wonder at this point if it's not just another way of saying incur a lot of tech debt before you even have customers. Sounds risky, right? And such a prototype is usually built in a way that won't scale without significant rework at some point. But it's built for that reason because you don't even know if the business is going anywhere, if it's going to, to grow or if it's just going to explode, implode, or just flatten out at some point. And that's the leverage part of tech debt. If you save time today to not waste weeks and months building a product that nobody would pay for, 
then it's very effective debt. But once you've found a repeatable business model and faced the interest payments or the risks of not paying them, not fixing things that need to be fixed, your debt becomes a genuine liability. And this is the kind of debt that I'd recommend for you to take on, particularly in the very early stages of your business. And yes, your prototype might not scale well once you have a few hundred customers, but if you if they are paying customers, you also have the resources to throw more computing power on the problem or get it fixed from the ground up by a hired helper. And if you're not familiar with the problems that can happen at scale, read up on them, right? Find other people who operate at that scale and learn from them, learn from their challenges that they have in their day-to-day. Because tech debt is something that you'll face eventually and you really want to be prepared. And preparation leads us to another thing, another kind of debt. Because when you're building your very first business, you're very likely relatively inexperienced. And even if you have an MBA, the reality of jumping off the cliff and building the airplane on the way down, as building a business is usually described, that reality will require a lot of experimentation and learning as you go. And that learning comes at a cost. Because every day that you spend trying out new things and learning from your mistakes, now that creates time debt. You can either spend an hour learning how to deal with tax filing procedures in your jurisdiction, or you could spend that hour learning from your customers. And the reality of building a company, and that's any kind of company, means that you have to redirect a lot of your attention to things that are not relevant to your core business, but they need to be done. The time you invest and the growing pains you struggle through, though those are the interest payments for that kind of knowledge debt. It's a kind of opportunity debt. You stand at a crossroads, And you can only take one path out of many because you have limited time. And every minute away from your customers is a minute you have to spend with them at a later point because your customers effectively run your business. It's a minute where you, yeah, with something that you should learn for your business and for your success of your business is supplanted by something you have to learn due to external pressure. And obviously this is unavoidable. It's needed, right? Because no business exists in a vacuum. And once you know what to do, it becomes more manageable over time. But it's something that founders aren't quite aware of until they are thrown into the deep end. The antidote to knowledge that, that's automation and documentation. And eventually delegation too. Anything you learn can be turned into a standard operating procedure. First for yourself. Because if you write it down, you save time next time you have to execute the task because you know exactly what to do and how to do it right. And then later, for someone else to do it in your stead, you can just hand them the SOP and they know exactly what to do and how to do it right from day one. And hiring people isn't just about increasing revenue for business. It's also to clear your mental schedule, right? The more you can focus on the things that matter more than anything else for you as a founder of a business, the more impact you'll have on your business. And there's another perspective here too. You can learn too much about a particular topic. I know that many entrepreneurs out there are avid readers and they consume as much as they can before jumping into working on something. Well, you can overlearn, overemphasize the theoretical part of entrepreneurship, which similarly reduces the time you have for your experiential learnings, the actual stuff that happens out there that you want to experience. And this, that will never come due it's time you take away from something else that would have been a much higher leverage activity. Since we only have a limited amount of time for many activities, prioritizing what needs to be done to keep the lights on in a business is a fundamental task for founders 
And it's a great opportunity for leverage as well. So consider if you may not be overlearning. And funny enough, maybe listening to this podcast is overlearning <laughs> in a sense, right? Because you could be working on your project. You could be talking to a customer. So consider that there always is the option of going for the experiential, the anecdotal, instead of just the theoretical. But please uh, keep listening because there's more to come. And the business really won't run without day-to-day -day stuff. We've already talked about this, the experiential things, the things you need to do, like sending messages to customers who haven't paid their invoices or someone needs to keep maintaining their knowledge base or clean up the database. There's always something to do just to keep things going. And you'll be cutting corners for that reason at some point because instead of spending an hour on a really cool infographic um, for a blog post, you'll create something fast that will get the point across for now so as an example, but then imagine people start retweeting this because you, you posted about it on Twitter and then your social media contractor uses that infographic that it just kind of cobbled together in another post, maybe even in a video. And what you thought would be quickly forgotten because you didn't really have time to do it right now is on your permanent record. And that's an example of marketing that for, yeah, you know, because you'll find this in every part of your business, stuff like that. Um, you do something quickly and then you over uh, we underestimated how much you will use this in the future. And by spending a couple more minutes, you could have done it much better. And this kind of stuff is fundamentally unavoidable in a world where time is the most scarce resource. And similar to knowledge debt, this kind of operational debt and incurring it is just deferring the important for the urgent. Right? What's urgent seems to be more important than the things that are actually important. With anything you do that needs to be done today, you miss an opportunity to what should be done today, to do what should be done today. And the solution, well, again, establishing processes and getting other people to do it. Because the more you can focus on the important stuff, the more the important stuff will get done. And it's a lesson that I learned very painfully for myself while running Feedback Panda, because we hired way too late. I was mired in customer service conversations and random interruptions to my actual work, building features and integrations that would make our product better. That was my job. Well, that was delayed and done without the proper focus that it deserved. And this very much changed when we handed over the business to our acquirers. Even while we were still on board during the transition, the fact that I had a developer to help me out, that just made a gigantic difference. And I should have done this much earlier. And if you think you can still handle everything, be warned you're stretching yourself thin. And being overwhelmed, that will eventually take its toll. Many founders report stress and anxiety and burnout and other kinds of mental health challenges. And the more you focus on your business, the less you'll find time for self-reflection because it's the business is always there with you, right? It's not a nine to five. You are the business, so you carry it around with you. And it goes further than that. The people around you are impacted by these things as well. If you have an understanding partner or if you go at it completely alone, that's less of a problem for you, but... We all have responsibilities outside of entrepreneurial circles, and we're expected to show up still and do these things, no matter how we feel. Uh, running a business is an emotional roller coaster. When you're bootstrapping, every new customer is a step towards financial independence and a source of great joy, but where there's light, there's dark, because every canceled subscription is a reminder of how brittle your business is. 
it is stressful to know that you're just one step closer to bankruptcy with every ex-customer. And even if that's just imaginary, if you're just thinking about it, it's already causing you stress. And these triggers cause real emotions to surface. And when you ignore them, you acquire emotional debt. The core problem with emotional debt is that it's a kind of debt that can't be solved by anything but focused reflection and digesting all aspects of the feelings that we feel. Integrating these traumatic and stressful experiences into our lives, that needs time and opportunity. And we rarely have that in our busy founder lives. I don't recall ever having a day that was less stressful than the day before during my entrepreneurial journey with Feedback Panda. There was always something. A customer canceled, a bug appeared, an integration needed last-minute adjustments, and new regulation was introduced that ravaged the whole industry. Always something. Over time, those experiences add up, and they turn into anxiety or even worse, mental health issues. Unless you find time to take a break, a real break from your business and everything that has to do with it, you will keep carrying these things around with you. And to resolve this, I recommend setting up processes that allow you to detach from the business. And it's definitely harder said than done. Even worse, apparently technical debt has a direct compounding effect on emotional debt as well. And it's not surprising when you know that you're facing a complete rewrite of your whole application. You can really be, um, well, upset because can you be joyful about building a feature today that you know will be scrapped a month from now? Well, it stresses me out just thinking about it. Consider dealing with this and dealing with this professionally. Look at therapy, finding downtime, finding distraction and relaxation in hobbies that give you an outlet for emotions. You can't let these things fester in your mind. They need to come out. They need to be worked through and then integrated as learnings and experiences into your you as a full person. And not only do you need to deal with these high potency emotions, you also need to keep an eye on the relationship that you that you form, the relationships that you form and maintain while building your business. You can only ask your co-founders to pull all-nighters so many times. Over-promising and under-delivering for a prolonged period of time, that would just cause discord and animosity among a lot of people. Your early believers, your team, your partner, it's just going to be very frustrating for people around you. And that will damage relationships. And in business, relationships are everything. From purely transactional relationships between the business and its customers to long-term partnerships that are based on trust, you'll find you'll only find business success when you foster and maintain real connections with real people. And that it can be problematic if you're stressed out and if you're doing things that are not conducive to building positive relationships. And this extends to your life partners and family members as well. Because when you dive into a business, you'll likely neglect your prior responsibilities a little bit. As for all, being a founder really is a nine to five job. And no matter how much we're trying to build calm companies, there will still be days and weeks of pure chaos. And that takes a lot of forgiveness from your loved ones. They'll support you in your efforts, but they will also expect you to compensate for all those evenings you spent with your landing page instead of them. And this kind of debt can sneak up on you and explode your whole life if you don't actively pay it back as soon as you can. So keep that in mind whenever you prioritize your business over someone else. And keep that in mind when you prioritize building another feature over working out, over prioritizing yourself, or when you grab a little snack instead of cooking a healthy meal because it's faster. 
What's the benefit of creating an amazing self-funded business when you're too busy dealing with a failing body at the end of your journey? If you work 80 hours a week and you find no time for the gym or walk, even though you know how good that would be for you, you're incurring physical debt. And that's something that we don't often really talk about when we think about entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship is a very thinky thing. Right? It's a, a doing thing and a thinking thing. It's not a, not a physical thing. But a 30-minute walk a day will do wonders to give your mind some refreshment and do your, give your body a chance to do something and anything to do, really. You're a whole human being, not just an idea machine. And keeping your body active is important because the mind will follow. But so much uh, so cataclysmic, it's not all bad. Debt is leverage. And if you do it carefully and intentionally, using debt, any debt, financial, emotional, relational, operational, knowledge, whatever it is, using debt to do something today instead of later can be an incredibly empowering thing for you. Just don't forget that it can also come back to bite you when you least need it. And it all starts with awareness. So keep your eyes open. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Bootser Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Avid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. You'll find my book, Zero to Sold, and The Embedded Entrepreneur, and my Twitter course, find your following there as well. If you want to support me in a Bootser Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It would really help. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.